Thanks for tuning in to the Calvary Carlsbad podcast. Today's message was taken from our 10 a.m. service. If you'd like to join us in person, you can get more info at our website at calvarycarlsbad.com. Let's jump right in, and we hope you're encouraged. All right, verse 10. For it was fitting for him, for whom all things and by whom all are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. It was fitting for him. So we're going to be looking at Jesus in the sense of uh, one that went through sufferings. And, and what's the context? We've been talking about angels and how much greater uh, Jesus is than the angels. And you go, well, of course. He's, if he's the son of God, of course he's greater than the angels. But remember, the angels were, had a, were um, you know, considered a major part of what God was doing, a part of the bringing the law. When the angels showed up, everyone cowered in fear. They got stuff done. They were effective. And so uh, one of the things that's important to know is that this church, the Hebrew church, was dealing with persecution. We're going to see that in verse 10. They're dealing with hard things. And when you're dealing with hard things, there's always a tendency in us to think about going backwards. Like maybe there was something to go back to over there. Can, can anyone relate? Yeah, I just want to go back. Maybe I want to go home. I just got to get out of here. I got to get back to where I grew up, to around my people. And you get there and you're like, well, this is not helping, right? Or you might think, oh, my old life. And then you like spend like one day in your old life and you're like, that's why it's my old life. Leave the past behind. But there's a part in us that thinks, ah, if I, the problem is the fact that I'm here. I need to be there. The grass is always greener, right? On the other side, that's what they say. And so for them, they're, they're thinking, oh man, what are we going to do with this? We're struggling. Things aren't going so well. Maybe things were better before. And so the author, the writer of Hebrews is like, absolutely not. And so he's going to deal with head on one of the issues. The fact that the Messiah suffered. Who writes that story? What other God was there like this that would come and humble himself to become like his own, and then to suffer and be disrespected and be struck down, who, who would have wrote that? And so they were struggling with that. And, and you would get to ask ourselves, if we were to write the script, it would not go like this. Yet, on the other side, with context, with hindsight being 2020, we would also not change the fact that like, man, what was done was perfect. And it was beautiful and it was wonderful. But for them, they're struggling through this because they're dealing with suffering. And so they're like, we're suffering and we're following one who suffered. I don't know if this is really what we want to be a part of. But it was fitting for him, speaking of Jesus, for whom all things and by whom all things uh, are, are all things in bringing many sons to glory to make captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Lots to break down in this very first verse. But the idea that all things, uh, that for whom are all things and by whom are all things. This is like hyperlink, Colossians 1, 15, 18. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, person or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. So we see the same thing here. For him and through him. This was through him and for him. 
He is above and ahead of all things. And he is before all things. And in him, all things consist. He's holding all things together. And he is ahead of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. That's exactly what we're going to be talking about. Jesus being the firstborn, the trailblazer. This is the captain of our salvation that went ahead and did it in suffering. Now, it's important that we understand the first part of this verse because it's fitting for him is really essential for us to understand. It was, it was the right thing. This was the, the thing, and we're going to see why in a second. God had a reason for this, and it's a, the more we understand it, the more we can see it, the more merciful and gracious and amazing God is in our eyes. The better we can see him the better we could see how much he loves us, how much value he has for us as humanity, as we, as a people are continuously trying to destroy everything. God is like, I love you and I want to build with you. You are the ones I want to use. It's about you. You are, you are it. This whole thing, this whole story is, is about me working through you. And then you giving me glory, not like we're the center of the universe, but like this, the story is God loves us. So it's fitting for him who, remember, all things were made for him and through him. He still found this to be fitting in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Again, sufferings is something they were dealing with. It's a sobering reality and we deal with it. How many of you have had, have suffered this past year? A lot, a lot. I know a lot of your stories in this room. A lot of pain has happened this year. A lot of hard things have happened this year. You might be in it right now. And so it's important to understand like that Jesus is going, is the captain in leading the way through suffering. We're going to see in a little bit, death is defeated but it's still here. Like the, the, the pain has been lessened, but it's, it's, there's still, we're in that world of, yes, the kingdom has come, but it is not fully here yet. We're in that in-between age. And again, we've mentioned this. We're in the church age where we get to do work, where we're, we're, we're risen again in Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit, the same spirit living in Jesus. Now we get to be that into the world everywhere we go. So, um, but Jesus promised this when he was on earth. Suffering was part of it. And then he reminded us we're part of that too. John 15, 20. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. What's interesting about suffering and persecution is that um, what you think might happen is the opposite of what actually happens. Uh, there's, it's, it's kind of like, um, you know, you hear about the trees, like the sequoias and stuff, how the fires can come through and to be, to be able to grow as big as they are, it has to like wipe out other stuff so that they have enough, but they have an ability to endure all of these things. And then they have the resources to continue to grow. And there's certain, uh, certain, f uh, flora that the, that the, uh, it needs the heat to open it up so that they can actually go. This is, this is like Christians. The more you persecute Christians, you don't get the effect you think you're going to get. Because there's something about in that we are, we are with Christ, partakers with Christ, fulfilling what was 
not quite done with him. We become part of that. Now, if you jump ship, you miss the whole thing, right? And that's why it's really important to have a, a, an accurate understanding of what suffering and pain and sorrow and all that looks like. It's the fact that we are not promised to not have to endure it. And it's so sad we hear teachers who are promising that. Your best life now. Honestly, your best life is not here. <laughs> there will be a better one. The best life you have now is united with Christ. And there's nothing like finding out that Jesus is with you in the shadows and in the trenches. When you're going through hell and, you, and he meets you with heaven in the midst of it. And he gives you peace that surpasses understanding. These are like landmark moments for faith. But we're, we're, we're promised and reminded that he meets us in those places. So while they might be thinking that there's an alternative to look to angels or to try to think that maybe they have something to do with it or go back to whatever they were part of before, it was fitting that the captain of our salvation, and the, the wording here, captain of our salvation, is the founder, originator, and I love the word like trailblazer. Love mountain biking, haven't done it much since I've been back in school. But um, you value people who are trailblazers in mountain biking. And you, don't, might, you might not think you do until you find out that a trail has not been ridden in a long time. How do you know? Because you have scratches all over your arms. And you've got like weeds in your tire and your wheels and stuff like that. Because you'll go down a trail and you're like, this trail is not a trail. <laughs> It has not been ridden, and I'm just getting beat up by branches, and you're trying to duck, and, you know, who knows what, right? But the ones that have had a path blazed, it's a, there's a clear way to go. And, and it also tells you that, hey, man, this is, this, is, this is worth going down. There's also a part of it where you go, I mean, if it's not trail, trailblaze, is this even worthy of doing this? Jesus is the trailblazer. He made the way. So that's like what Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. And that's what Jesus constantly said. He'd blow people's minds. He'd come into their lives and he'd blow their minds and he'd say, now come follow me. Just follow me. I, just do what I'm doing. Come with me. I'll show you the way. And it's the same story here now for us 2,000 years later as it was then. Follow me. And how do we follow him? Well, we look at his example in the word clearly, and then we recognize the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And so we apply the principles that are given, us to, given to us in scripture and have been so valuable throughout all the ages of the church. For instance, being here, while it might not have value to the, to the outside world, this has a lot of value. And it actually is like a bit of a landmark statement of saying, this, this is important to me, being here. Because there's always stuff you could do on Sundays. But being able to be a part of a community, that's important. If you read your Bible, that's ascribing value to it, right? Because it's like, if I didn't care about it, if I didn't think it had any value, I wouldn't read it. And if I do think it has value, why don't I read it? Right? Because you think about these things of daily maintenance. Like, how is this, how do I stay close to God? You don't go, you know what? I believe in oil changes but I'm just, I'm just not feeling it right now. I don't feel like having an oil change for the next two years. You go, that's great, but your car's gonna blow up, maybe. It, it's, not, it's gonna lose some of its life. And so we 
find ourselves in as Jesus blazes the trail and he shows us the way we recognize the importance of fellowship. That's what this is. The importance of, uh, of reading the scripture. That was a, a staple. Uh, generosity, being generous amongst one another, loving on one another. That's a big deal. That's part of the, the fellowship, right? We uh, worship and prayer. You believe that God answers prayers, you pray. Uh, worship means you're giving God praise over your life instead of your own. He is in charge. He is God. Because we have to remember there's always other gods that are pulling at us, that are, dry, that are trying to grab us. And, it's, and it becomes tricky, you know? So we, we remember all these things. So you could be looking at all this stuff, but this is, this is the trailblazer. This is the way that we, that we would uh, be, that he is made perfect. That's what's interesting. It says it here. To make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. And you go, how on earth did Jesus need to be made perfect? Like he is perfect. That's right, he was. He was a sinless lamb, the picture of all the Old Testament. If you guys are doing the reading plan that we're doing, through Leviticus right now, right? I finished the other day in Leviticus, and it's going through all this, the lamb, you know? We'll get more into this in a section. The goat and the, all these sacrifices, and not with, without spot and blemish. It's so important and vital. But we see here that he's made, salvation made perfect, the cabinet of salvation, perfect through sufferings. Now, what is that? If you've been around here much, you know perfect really means complete, mature, in a sense. This is something that the Godhead had not experienced because he's above all. But he made himself man, Jesus, man, incarnate, fully God, fully man. Uh, the perfect that he would come and experience living here among us, not just living, but as the perfected version of man, the Imago Dei that we can look at, what we were created to experience and have fellowship with God. This was Jesus was reestablishing a way towards this and a trailblazer as a way to look at how to do it. And so he's made perfected or matured through experiencing suffering. Because then we have, we'll see in a second, a high priest that gets it, that has mercy towards us, that knows what it feels like to be tempted. The Bible tells us he's tempted in all ways yet without sin. So you can imagine if you had to endure every single possible temptation that there was, and there's no like, release of like just giving in every once in a while i mean like yeah he had satan himself talking to him when he's hungry no less it was like the the snickers commercials you know hungry <laughs> and you turn into a monster i mean it's true right it's like you, you can look at your own children and or, or, or myself are you hungry are you tired do you need to be changed yeah this is, this is where you start acting like an absolute maniac, right? And, and Jesus has been fasting and Satan shows up and, he's, and he shows up with scripture, twisting it. And he's trying to get Jesus to do his own thing. And he's like, no, nah, I am doing the will of the Father. You are not gonna twist me up. 
and he responds with scripture in context. And so we have a priest that we'll see. We're going to talk a lot about high priest. That's a big deal. And again, if you went through Leviticus, you just saw this. The high priest. And who was the first high priest? Aaron, right? Yeah. So we have the Aaron as the, as the established high priest. And, and, and we see, okay, they failed, but there was an importance there. And it was, it was setting out, again, a shadow. What the law did was a shadow of the things to come. Here's what you're really looking for. And here's a placeholder. Here's like kind of what it looks like. And then Jesus shows up and he nails it. You go, oh, yes, that's what we were looking for. Okay, so made perfect, mature through experiencing suffering. This was fitting. Okay, 11, verse 11. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will sing praise to you. That's from Psalm 22. Uh, lots of quoting Old Testament here. Uh, and again, I will put my trust in him. This is in uh, 2 Samuel 22 and 2, 3 and Isaiah 8, 17. I'll put my trust in him as like the implications of horn of salvation, my stronghold and my shield. And then again, here am I. Uh, and the children whom God has given me. And this is Isaiah 8, 18. So the next verse from the last one. He had a plan. There was a plan from the beginning. And again, the messianic scriptures and prophecies are amazing because they point towards the fact that there was a plan in motion for thousands of years. If you can plan ahead a week and it goes well, great. You know, if you, if you plan ahead for, Here's my 10-year plan. It's good, to, it's good to plan. Let me know how it goes. You know, let's, let's just see exactly. That's why it's like plan, but have some flexibility. Man, you know, plans his ways. The Lord directs his steps. I mean, who of you thought you'd be here 10 years ago, 20 years ago? You know, I was, I was just, I did like a recap kind of coming to Carlsbad. I didn't even know this. I didn't even know where Carlsbad was. Isn't that wild? I've been to Oceanside because we went like deep sea fishing. I didn't even know. When you're from the IE, you go to Orange County. That's, that's the beach. When it's 101 in the IE, it's 909 in the OC. We're, <laughs> we show up in Huntington and, it, and add to the chaos. You know, We bring the chaos. You see people you know, wearing boxers underneath their swimsuits and stuff. <laughs> These are my people, OK? Uh, so you can, you still got to sag, you know, like you still got to show you know what's up, you know. Daryl, you know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> but this is, this is it, right? Like, so uh, this, you never knew the plan. You couldn't have ever imagined, but he, there was a plan right from the beginning. So now we see that we are, he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified. So he who sanctifies is who? Jesus, it's the Sunday school answer. Just say Jesus. You're going to do well, you know. And who, who is those who are being sanctified? Us. So Jesus and us, for both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one. For which reason he's not ashamed to call them, listen to this, brethren. That's family. You have a, you have a, lot, of, you have a lot of friends. 
and acquaintances, family. He calls us brethren. We're not, it's like we're not on the outside. We love to put people on the outside, don't we? It makes us feel superior. Like you can hang out, but you're not that cool. All right, we'll let you be around us, but you can't come to my house or my birthday party. You're like, wow, sad. You know what's really sad is like, you used to not know you missed a birthday party. Now there's social media. It's like, oh man, I did not get, you see every single friend there but you. And you're like, oh man, I, I must have changed my number or something, you know? Did you lose my number? Did you forget my address? You know, anyway. It's okay, you, you don't have to invite everyone to your birthday party. But, but we like to be exclusive in a sense, right? Leave people out. Jesus is like, you guys are such a stinking mess and I love you so much. Now I'm calling you brothers and sisters. You're now in with me. I'm bringing you in, in this beautiful mess that I'm gonna make order out of. So if you feel like you're far away from God and you feel like he does not want anything to do with you, a lot of people get in that place and they don't even think they can go to church. I don't even know. I got to get my life straight. I got to get my life together before I can be with God. You're like, good luck getting your life together before you can be with God. How about you come and you confess, I don't have my life together, and then allow God the access to transform you from the inside out. That's the message we get in the scriptures. We don't see people come up and say, they got their life together and then they followed Jesus and Jesus was grateful. He said, hey, you, you're a total disaster. Come with me. You don't know where you're going. And I know I've got something better for you. Let's go over here. Right? We, and we share that at, at camp. The woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. She was a mess. And Jesus entered into her world, met her where she was at. And, and he reached in and he, and he came. At only the time they would be there. The woman who was, someone who didn't want to be around the other people or couldn't be around the other people. Jesus entered in and he says, hey, can you get me some water? She's like, why are you talking to me? You're not allowed to even talk to me. You shouldn't be talking to me. You don't like me. And he says, yeah, you're right. You should be asking me for water. I give you living water. And she's like, what are you talking about? You don't even have anything to draw water. What's this living water? And then he explains to her, she's like, what? And she says, go tell your, we just did this at worship night too. It's on my head. It's been thinking about this a lot. Go get your husband. Your husband, you know, I don't have a husband. He's like, you're right. You've had five. The one you're with now isn't. She's like, I think you're a prophet. He's like, no. Have you heard about the Messiah? She's like, I think we've heard he's coming. He's like, I'm him. And then she goes out and she tells everyone, told me everything I ever knew. And then she becomes an evangelist like that. She's been given value back to her life because Jesus has entered in and he's, He's offered her a way to salvation, to living water. She meets her Messiah, and then he meets her in her mess. He meets her in her sufferings, in her shame, in her guilt. And then he, he exposes it, brings it to the light. And what does she do? She goes and tells everyone, come meet this guy who told me everything I ever did. He knows everything about me, and he still valued me. Can he encourage you today? He knows everything about you and he values you and wants you. That's, that's one of the major issues people have with Christianity. I, I just can't get my life right. 
you can't. You're right. You can't get your, you can do some things, but like there's a there's like a level of like a messed up heart is a messed up heart. That's why the Old Testament, the Old Covenant was was there, it was so frustrating. Like and so there was there was this pointing to the future. Isaiah uh no no uh, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, there was like this this looking towards a new heart where there could be a new heart like where there wouldn't be a heart of stone, but a heart of flesh that could be transformed. And it's through Jesus that we have an actual change of heart. I'm not kidding you. I'm, I am not kidding you. I have seen a change of heart change a face. Have you seen it? I, have you seen someone go from like diabolical, like gnarly looking to like soft and their eyes have kindness and compassion in them? start looking like Jesus. And we're going to see there's a lot more to this, but uh, our identity now is in Christ. We're now one with Christ, the one who made a way and the one who needs a way, united. And so this is, remember, there was all the feasts and all the different things that had to be done in the Old Testament. And it was all a sign and symbols of everything God was doing and eventually would do in the Messiah. I mean, it was a perfect placeholder. It set everything up, all the foundation, all the blocks of the bricks. They were all laid out so that Jesus could show up and blow everyone's mind for eyes that could see. And if you want to know more about this, it, it, the more I'm learning about it, the more I am in awe of God. Because, I mean, he's just orchestrated it beautifully. We love beautiful orchestration. Think about a movie that's so well put together and every little part interlocks and interlinks. And at the end, there's like a little twist at the end that makes you go, he was dead the whole time, you know? (laughs) Something like that. It ruins it for the rest of your life. You know, you can't ever watch it again. It's like, okay. But like, like a little wrinkle right at the end, you go, whoa, I see it. My eyes can see. This is the reality of what Jesus does opens our eyes to see the world as it really is and see what he's been doing since the beginning. I mean, why is there such an uproar that time itself is, is based on up? Jewish carpenter born to teenage parents in a what good can come from Nazareth town? You tell me that over 500 eyewitnesses, many of whom decided that it would be more beneficial for them to die saying they saw him rise from the dead than to deny it. What do we do with a Jesus like that? What do we do with a Messiah? What do we do with history like that? That's not just Bible, which is very good, by the way. Historically, it's, it, is, it is founded. It is legit. It is like, it is a historically accurate document. The, the archaeological finds, all that. Look, people have become rich by finding the oil where they said there was asphalt pits from the Bible. <laughs> There's asphalt pits? There must be oil there. Yet God just made you rich because you listened to the Bible <laughs> and trusted it. But this is the value of history. It was turned upside down. And then the more the church was persecuted, the more it grew. It spread. We had, we, the, we had St. Augustine grass. 
Right. So you know. It's not so much grass that it is a giant weed that's basically a rope. It's like a, a rope that frays into many ropes. And it's thick and it's nasty. And I remember one year we, we ripped, I mean, we went through the whole thing, got all of it out, and we planted winter rye one year. And oh, just so beautiful. You know where it was back in the summer? St. Augustine. <laughs> Which is just so sad because what a legend St. Augustine was, you know. He's like, this is your grass, man. He's like sitting up there. He's like, I just don't get it. I'm sure there's a better reason. I didn't do the research on it, you know. This is like dealing with, there's that kind of stuff that we're dealing with, we're looking at, and we see it, trying to get rid of it. Oh, my gosh. It's insane. There's no getting around it. It spreads like wild, <clears throat> like wild. And then it goes into your neighbor's house. So that's what they did with the church. The more they persecuted them, it spread them out. <clears throat> like, oh, now, now it's over there. <laughs> so we tried to get rid of it, and now it's in the backyard too. Because we upset it, and now things are flying. There's seeds going everywhere. The whole neighborhood has been planted with St. Augustine. Thank you. That's, that's what, like, what persecution of the church was like. Because they, would, they weren't, didn't fear death. And they found that the more that they trusted Christ in suffering, the more bold they became, the more they felt united with the Creator. And they, they started saying like they were, they were like glorying in the, in the pain and the suffering. Because it meant that they were united with Christ. They were sharing in his sufferings. They're part of what he was doing. Now, do we ever ask for this? We would not ask for this. But we recognize that if God calls us into something like this, we know the path has been blazed before us. The trailblazer has come through. And, and he, I think he's especially there in those moments. So our identity is found in Christ. And, and, our, and we're now one with him. So again, I was, sorry, I've got off track, but the old covenant was all about all these rituals and, and, and there was feasts and there was laws and all these different things that were all meant to set them apart from the rest of the nations, that they would be different, that they would look different. And so you read stuff and you go, well, if you don't listen to the, you know, some of the stuff in the Bible, does it mean you don't trim your beard? And it's obviously, I've taken that very seriously. No, it's the edges of the beard, and I have done that. Oh, no, you know. But the idea was that they would look different from all the other nations. They wouldn't be the same as all the other nations. That they would be set apart and different. And so there's all these different laws. But then we're left with, Jesus leaves two for us to do. What are the two? That he says, these are the two you do. Keep doing these. Do these two things. What are they? What's one of them? Right? Okay. Yep. And then what are the, what are the actual uh, uh, like feasts, we could say, or the, uh, I don't know how to say this. I'll just say what they are, okay? The Lord's Supper, right? Communion, do this in remembrance of me. This is what you're gonna do. You're gonna keep doing this. What is that all speaking of? Us and Jesus. His body is blood in us. Us together, united. What's the other one? Baptism. What's baptism about? Old man dead, comes up new man. We're, we're, we're looking at the summer having another baptism. Our baptisms this last summer were special. I felt like, it felt like you could feel dead 
to life. I mean, it was wild. We got a video, which is awesome too. <laughs> Thanks, Brad. Love that video. So Colossians 3 tells us this, 1 through 4. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Here you go, right here. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Hidden in Christ. So that's what he says. We are now with him, brothers, hidden with Christ, who is our life. Verse 14, then as, uh, inasmuch then as children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had power, the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all, were all their lifetimes subject to bondage. This is the beginning of death to death. And again, just like, you know, the inaugurated kingdom coming, it's coming, it's not fully here. Death has been defeated in its final state. And death, as far as full death, been defeated. So now we call death something different. What do we call death biblically? Sleep. It's like sleep, because that's not the end, right? So we look at death death to death. His life has paid the ransom. Again, the sacrifices of Leviticus, and there was all the things you did for all these different sin offerings. And then there was the day where that you would come and, and say, man, what about all the ones we've missed? And it was the day of atonement. What's beautiful about the day of atonement is, is the way it's structured. This is again, God, right? If you take the, the Pentateuch, the first five books, right? And you take the center book of the Pentateuch is what? Leviticus. What's the center of Leviticus? The Day of Atonement. The middle of the whole thing. You're going to need help. So what's the deal? The Day of Atonement, the two goats, one's killed, the other one's sent out into the wilderness. What's it called? The scapegoat. What a sign, a symbol of what's to come. Free, gone. It's gone. You're out of here. Paid for, gone dealt with. And so we have this image in our minds when we read this. So you've got to really read Hebrews with the mind of the Old Covenant, the Old Testament. You have to understand it through those eyes because this brilliant writer who writes very weird sometimes and, and like very confusing in some sense, but like super deep. It's like whoever it is is a genius. Like, and God used that is relying on that kind of knowledge to piece it all together. To go, oh man, this is so much deeper than I thought. There's so much more than I thought. So then what's the result? I mean, partaking of the flesh, uh, the sacrifice, right? That through death, he might destroy him who had the power of death. Satan was definitely seemingly responsible for what was happening to Jesus on the cross. But in doing so, he signed his own death warrant or its own death, it's happening. Whoops. And so death, and now he's defeating death. Death is not what it used to be. So, um, and the power of death is not the same. And then, now listen to this, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Their bondage through the fear of death. Now, 
Um, I think it's really important to understand because I feel like I've been around more death in the last couple years than I have my whole life. Um, the process of death is, is not cool, right? Most of the time. It's, it's a really hard. It's a bummer. It's, 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 and I think to think you don't have to, you have to act like you don't fear like the process of dying. I don't think that's the point. But if you, if you fear the other side of that, that's the problem. You no longer have to fear what's on the other side. So the process of going through something, and that's not fun. It's not something that like you're looking forward to. You don't have to act like put on a happy face. But the the salvation that, and one of the things I have noticed though, people who do know Jesus, there is there is a clear, palpable longing to be with Him. It becomes really really clear that they are not supposed to be here anymore. That they're they're ready to go see Jesus. And so there's there's fear in the process. I don't know how this is all going to go. I don't know how it's going to go. But then on the other side, there's this hope, a great expectation. There's nothing to fear. Women going through the heaven study. Is this appealing? Is heaven appealing? Is the idea of the new heavens, the new earth, like things being made right, the the final battle being won, and the final create? I mean, how good is that? So the bondage of fear of death and uncertainty in a sense of death, that's gone because Jesus has paved the way. We can be assured of our salvation in the sense that we know we belong to him. And another way we see that is there's fruits being born out of our lives. And one of those fruits is a desire to be more with Jesus. You might go, I don't know if I want to go to heaven. That means I'm going to be with Jesus all the time. You might not have to worry about that then unfortunately, right? Like it's a, the idea is like, this is not a place where God is forcing his will on us. It's when we see how good he is and that he's literally the giver of life, the one who brings life, not death. We choose life or we choose death in a sense, right? And so we look to Jesus and we're fulfilled in that. So death, that's where we get the, the, the thing, oh, you know, death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? It's, it's painful, and I know we've gone through some deaths here, and the pain is real, and it's heavy, and it hurts, and it's supposed to hurt in the sense that you love these people, but if you know Christ and you found yourself in Christ, then there's a different, there's a different kind of mourning. We don't, we don't mourn as those who have no hope. The realization is what we have in eternity in heaven, and it's such good news, such good news. So uh, verse 16, for indeed, he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful, faithful high priest in, the, in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are, uh, who are tempted. Indeed, he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. We're going to look at the love of God here. It's wild. What's interesting is, okay, so what? Doesn't help any, Okay, the idea of salvation. Salvation is not for the angels. This is the picture. This is what God is doing here on earth. That he has offered out salvation. And we know angels marvel at what in the world God is doing with us. Why are you doing this with them? 
But we know that he's offered up A to the seed of Abraham. Now, what's important about the seed of Abraham? This was the set-apart chosen people. This was God's people. These were those who were going to be set apart and look different from everybody else. You will be my people. I will give you a land that you will go to. You will glorify me. You will bless me. You will, you're going to stand up in the midst of all of them, and I'm going to make you a great nation with many descendants. So that we're all, in a sense, in that lineage of the plan of what God had started through Abraham and continued on through Christ. We're all part of that, engrafted branches, if you're not Jewish, in a sense. But we're part of the big plan, what God has done. So that through the seed of Abraham, therefore, in all things he had, uh, to be made like his brethren. So he had to experience what we experienced, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Now, let me ask you this. Do you, are you more merciful to someone when you've experienced what they've experienced? Yes. Things seem really easy until you experience them for yourselves. Like, oh, so what? No big deal. Get over it. God's on the throne, and then you go through it, and you're like, oh, that was more painful than I thought it was going to be. Or that was harder than I thought it was going to be. Or I would have never imagined experiencing that much pain or sorrow in that sense, right? I think that was one of the things, like I think in my mind, when we went, we had a miscarriage, first kid, and I had never thought about that, how that would be painful, like really. I mean, of course you did. You're like, okay. But then when you go through it, you're like, man. And then other people who have gone through it, they bring in a sense of comfort to you in that sense, right? Or if you go through something where you lose a loved one and somebody else has been through that, someone says, oh, man, I know what it's like to lose a loved one. I lost a goldfish when I was five. And you go, thank you so much, but you don't know. <laughs> you don't know. You, you really don't. And you're trying to be helpful, but you're not really being helpful. So the idea is that Jesus because he was subject to suffering and dealing with everything, everything coming at him, tempted and, and dealing with all of it, it, is, it has made him perfected, mature, complete in feeling, in a sense, what we feel and deal with. That he may be a merciful and faithful high priest. Two things here, merciful and faithful high priest. Three things, really, high priest. In things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. So. I think a lot of times we find people who want to be faithful, but they don't want to be merciful. They want to say, ah, hard line. Follow or, not, or else. Get with the program or get out of here. And you have the other side, which is merciful, but not faithful. Come here. Give you a hug. It's not your fault. Nothing's your fault. And you go, some things are, and that thing is. So we have it both. But Jesus is this perfect picture of merciful and faithful. And what's the result? Fruitful. It works. Right? So that he is faithful, high priest, and things pertaining to God to make himself a propitiation for the sins of the people. He has done that. So he's made himself a propitiation means he has become the sacrifice, the perfect lamb that was shed for the blood, for the sins of the people. He's done that. But he also have, we'll see later, a high priest that sympathizes with our weaknesses. Who's making, who's praying for us. 
So he's done that, and then for in that, he himself has suffered being tempted. He is able to aid those who are tempted. He's, uh, he has suffered. He's suffered wrong. So if you ever feel like I've been wronged and you feel like no one gets it, look to Jesus. I've been wronged. I've been maligned. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus as one who gets it and look to Jesus as a way to respond. <laughs> That's where it gets really wild. How did he respond to it? And the reason, how do we figure out how to respond to it, it has a lot to do with our mentality and our, our, our worldview and our, how, the, how we break things down in the world, the way we see things. How do we, how, what, what am I here for? Who am I? Why am I here? To have the white picket fence, to have the perfect life. That is like a recipe if that's what you think you're here for, and even if you, if you get this, there's nothing wrong with having those things. You're like, I have a white picket fence. Great, good for you. I'd like one too, you know? But if you think that's what's gonna fulfill you, I mean, it's gonna hit hard. It does not. It will not. And you know this. If I only had that car, man. If I only had that video game, you know, you kid. Finally. If I only had that new bat, I'd be hitting home runs. What's wrong with this bat? I think I need a new one. This one's broken. Then you see someone else hit with it. Oh, man. I'm broken. <laughs> There's all these things we can look at. But none of those things are going to fulfill. So we have to ask ourselves, what are we here for? And then we see that our identity is found in Jesus. So therefore, we find our purpose in Jesus too. Which is huge. So for that, he and himself suffered being tempted. He is able to aid those who are tempted. He, he is able to aid those who are tempted. He cares about us. He's with us. He's for us. Christ is our hope. Christ is our identity. He's our future. He gives us our purpose. He gives us our salvation. So like, we, where else will we get an idea of who we are, what we're supposed to be? It's found in him. And so anything else, we're just going to find it's, it doesn't do what we wanted it to do. His faithfulness made it all possible. The fact that he was faithful made all of this possible. The fact that he was merciful gives us easy access. Remember the Holy of Holies, you couldn't get there. It was like, it was such a restricted place. Now we have open access because of his grace and his mercy towards us. But it's not grace and mercy that we don't change. He wants us to change, but he'll do it. He'll be the one that transforms us. He doesn't want us to stay there. If you're there now, don't be afraid of coming around. Just be open to the fact that God probably wants to give your life a lot more value than you have for it. He wants to let you know there's something way bigger in you than you think there is. It's one of the things you talk with enough people. There's a lot of people that we just don't know we have value. We don't know we, that we matter. Jesus wants to show us that we do. So, um, and it's beautiful. This is like a perfect picture of Jesus incarnate, God-man, right? Perfectly God perfectly man. I saw a video, it was an old video, Pastor Chuck Smith, and it was, a, it was so good. And it was, he was talking about how we needed 
We needed someone that could touch God and, some, and touch man. Someone that could have access to God and to man. We needed a bridge. That's, this is the bridge. One that's completely holy, completely pure, completely faithful. Yet, understands what man's going through knows exactly what we're going through. So we have the second person of the Trinity, the Son, in submission becomes man and then dwells among us, is part of us, cries when people die, you know, is burdened by what he sees around him, is moved by compassion when he's exhausted and then goes and sleeps because he is exhausted, gets away when people wish he was there, all of that. He's fully man, he's fully God. And then dies on the cross, all hope is lost, and then rises three days later. It's a new life for us. If we'll take it, full out. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to join us in person, we meet at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. For more info on the church or ministries we offer, head over to calvarycarlsbad.com. Thank you and God bless.